This morning, God's Word comes to us from 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3. We're going to begin our reading at verse 8 and then read through verse 15. 1 Timothy 3, beginning at verse 8. What we hear now is God's Word. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, this morning we had the great privilege of ordaining and installing into office uh, elders and deacons. And I usually like to preach on those uh, ordination Sundays something related to one of the offices. Uh, this morning we're going to talk particularly about the work of the deacon. You know, kids, if your parents asked you, uh, what is the job of the minister? I'm pretty sure you could tell them, well, the minister's job is to preach. He stands up front and he preaches for us. Kids, what is the job of the elders? And if you thought about that a bit, you might say, well, you know, the elders are those who serve the Lord's Supper to us. Maybe if with a little prodding, you might say they are those who, who, who make the decisions for the church. They are the ones who decide what we're going to do. But if I asked you, what's the work of the deacons? Oh, that's an easy one. That's an easy one. They collect all the money. That's what deacons do. They collect all the money. And you wouldn't be wrong. They do collect the money. But as we'll see this morning, that is really a small part uh, of their office. Uh, they are not simply money collectors, but they are those who are to manage the gifts of God's household. They are those who are to manage the tithes and the talents and the time of God's people. So while this morning the sermon will be focused on the work of the deacons, it is not focused on the first two benches in church this morning. This is for all of us to understand what their role is and how we are to help them to fulfill the office that God gave to them. What is the nature of the office of deacon? What's the character of the office which they hold? And perhaps we can get at that by reminding ourselves what it is not. What the character of the office is not. 
The deacons are not, first of all, financial planners. In fact, if you look at that list of qualifications we just read from 1 Timothy, it doesn't mention finances anywhere. It's not the case that the church is just like a business, with the minister being the CEO and the elders being the board of directors and the deacons being the chief financial officers. They're not simply financial planners. The character of their office, the deacons are not social workers. Although, at times, their work might look like the work of social workers, as they provide for the very real and physical needs of people. They provide food, they provide funds, they provide shelter, they care for people. But they're not social workers, because their work, the deacon's work, is done in the name of the Lord. They are not sent from a government agency. They are not sent from a philanthropist. They are sent from the church. And they minister with the word of God. They are not simply social workers. And, and they are not, for lack of a better term, they are not the gophers for the elders. As if, uh, you know, the elders are the brains of the operation and the deacons are the brawn. That's not the way it is. Uh, now, sometimes the elders will ask the deacons to do particular things, but that's because it is fitting to their office. The office of deacon is not a, a sub-office of elder. It's a distinct office. The office of deacon is not a training ground for the eldership. Although the qualifications are very similar, it is a distinct office. And the character of that office is they are to be the stewards of the gifts of God's people. They are to administer the gifts of time and talents and finances. As administrators, they will receive the offering. That's why we see them taking the offerings. They will process the resources of God's people, organizing them and allocating them. And they will distribute those, need, those resources as various needs arise. They are stewards, they are managers in God's household. And to, to fill that office, they have particular qualifications. And that's what Timothy gives to us. Verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They are to be dignified, not double-tongued. Now, dignified doesn't mean stuffy. Dignified doesn't mean they have no fun. Dignified means that they are worthy of respect because of the office that they hold. They are men who are reliable, men who are trustworthy, not double-tongued. They don't say one thing over here and something else over here. They are men whose word can be trusted. Dignified, uh, not addicted to wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. We might use the word disciplined to encompass those two. Dignified and disciplined. In control of themselves. In control of their desires and appetites. Not not looking for the latest get-rich-quick scheme. 
They are men of integrity, dignified, disciplined. Verse 9 says, they must hold the mystery of, <coughs> of the faith with a clear conscience. What is that mystery of the faith? It is the truth of the gospel. They are men who know the word of God, who know the gospel experientially, who know the gospel and can minister because of what Jesus Christ has done for them and for others. Which is why we ask not only the elders sign the form of subscription, but the deacons do as well. They subscribe to the truth. They must know the truth, teach the truth, and defend the truth. Now that is much more than just passing the offering bags. They are those who hold the mysteries of the faith. And verse 10 says, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Let them be tested. What kind of test is that, kids? What kind of test do we give the new deacons? Is it a math test to see if they can add up the numbers? That's not what the, what the apostle means. It's not a math test. What he's talking about is they must have a certain amount of life experience and demonstrate that they are able to conduct themselves in a dignified and disciplined way. It must be evident that they hold the mysteries of the faith. They are to visibly demonstrate the qualifications now in the way that they live. And that's why when we go through the nomination process of elders and deacons, we always read these lists of qualifications. Every time we start the process of nominating new office bearers, in our consistory room, in the council room, we read these qualifications. Who right now is exhibiting these types of gifts that have the spiritual qualifications to serve? The apostle goes on and he says in verse 12, let the deacons uh, each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. They will demonstrate their ability to serve in their relationship with their wives. I, I'm, I'm always a little nervous when I get to this portion because I, I ask myself, when I look at the qualifications for eldership, the qualifications for diaconate, if we asked our wives, does your husband fit this role? What would they say? Would they say, yes, that is his character. That is what I see at home. Our wives are the ones who know, know us better than anyone else. They see us behind closed doors. Are we with them demonstrating these type of spiritual qualifications? Being, being disciplined, being dignified in our actions with them. Are we compassionate, caring with, when we deal with our wives, speaking to them in love, acting toward them with care and concern. That's the nature of the office, to be caring and concerned. Are we demonstrating that with our wives? Are we demonstrating that with our children? They must be managers managing their own children and their own households well. With our children, are we kind, caring, and compassionate? You know, when someone is elected to office, we have a, a, a meeting where we talk about office bearer orientation to orient them to the office that they have been, been elected to. But really, office bearer training 
If you want to talk about office bearer training, that begins in the home. If you men aspire to the office of elder or deacon, that begins in your home, the training. How do you deal with your wife? How do you care for your children? Are you there shepherding them, encouraging them, pastoring them, being compassionate toward them? That's where office bearer training starts. They manage their own households well. Now, household for them was broader than their family. It might include any uh, servants, any slaves that they had. They were administrators. They were the ones to make sure everything got done. Not necessarily that they did everything in the household themselves. Now, if we uh, men are honest, I'm sure we would say there are many more things around our households that we could be doing that we should help out our wives and our children more than we do. But the task of the manager is, is not, not to do things as much as to make sure they get done. When I was uh, in the restaurant business, I was a manager, and one of the tests that we would give to new managers in the restaurant business would be to walk into the restaurant, to say to the manager, I would like you to make sure that the water glasses on table 12 are refilled. And we start a stopwatch. We would see how long it would take before the water glass would be refilled. Now the manager could go and grab the pitcher and do it himself, but that's not his job. His job is not to do it, it's to make sure it gets done. How quickly would his people respond to his request to make this happen? And it was amazing sometimes how long it would take. The manager is to make sure it gets done, not necessarily do it himself. And the same is true of the managers of God's household. They are not called as deacons to do all the ministry themselves. These men have limited time and limited resources. But they are to make sure that everything gets done using not only their resources, but the great immense resources God has given to the congregation. They are managers in God's household. They manage the gifts and the talents and the tithes which you bring in love to God. And that is an amazing resource. Not simply eight men called to, to do it all themselves. But they administer the gifts, the talents, the tithes of God's people. They administer the tithes. Yes, the money they do collect and distribute according to need. But they also are those to administer the time and the talents of the congregation. So if you have a particular gift, a particular skill, a particular ability, um, they are the ones you need to tell so that they can administer those gifts. If someone says, uh, you know, I'd love to come to your church, but, uh, but my car broke down, I need to ride the church, then, then the deacons don't necessarily do it themselves. But they say, we know someone who has said, I'd be happy to give anyone a ride to church. Maybe, maybe um, 
someone's visiting us on a Sunday and, and they say, you know, we're passing through town and we'd like to get a little bite for lunch. Oh, where's a good restaurant we can go to? And they ask a deacon. And a deacon says, oh, you know what? I know someone in the church who has said, if you ever need a place for lunch, come to my house and I will bring you to them. They don't necessarily do it all themselves. They administer the gifts, the resources of God's people. They, they are managers, but they can't manage what they don't know. They can't manage what they don't know. It is our task as members of the congregation to let them know the resources they have at their disposal. You know, uh, maybe you're a great mechanic and you say, if anybody needs mechanic work done, I can probably fix it. I can, I can change the oil. I can do that kind of stuff. Just let somebody know I can take care of it. Uh, maybe, maybe your skill is uh, data entry. Do the deacons need any help with data entry? We got a person that can do that. Maybe it is hospitality. Maybe it's child care. Maybe it's uh, visitation. If anybody wants a visit, I'm your guy to do it. I'm your gal to do it. Let them know. They don't have to do it all, but they administer the gifts of God's people. We sometimes refer to the people of God as a flock, as sheep. It's the minister's task to feed the sheep. It's the elder's task to tend the sheep. And in the best sense of the word, it's the deacon's task to shear the sheep. To take what they have and to use it. Now we hope that they shear the sheep, not fleece the flock. That's something very, very different. We want them to use the gifts and talents that are available. To take what we have and to put it into God's service. For us, the easiest part of supporting the deacons is the money that we put in the offering plate. It's more difficult to give of our time, to give of our talents. But that's what God calls us to do. Because in doing that, we are reflecting the great shepherd of the sheep. The one who came and ministered to us. The one who didn't just uh, write a check, but the one who gave up his life the one who gave up himself, that we might have life and that we might then have something to share. He gifts us by the power of the Holy Spirit to have particular talents, particular abilities that we can use in the service of others. The deacons are the managers. They administer those things. So as we, as we enter this new year, we say, what is it that I can offer to God, to the congregation, through the ministry of the deacons, that perhaps I haven't offered in the past. It's a new year. It's a time for new things. What gifts and talents do you have that you can share with the diaconate that they might be able to, to provide and administer the gifts of God's people? We know our Lord Jesus Christ held nothing back. We are not to hold back gifts and talents we have. No, he held nothing back. He gave up his life that we might have life. 
and we might be gifted to be able to serve with tithes and talents and time in response to what he has done. Jesus Christ once again today calls us to recognize him as that great shepherd of the sheep, to put our faith, our hope, our confidence in him and in him alone, and to know that he has, he has given us new life, but a new life not to be self-serving, a new life to serve others, to serve our God, to serve his people, and to serve through the ministry of the deacons. May God help us to use whatever gifts, time, talents, tithes we have in his service and for his glory. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank and praise you for the gift of the diaconate. We recognize they minister in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. They express his compassion and his love for his people. Lord God, help us as those people to give them the resources that they need to do their task well, to give them the resources that they might manage and that they might use for your glory. Lord God, it's so easy for us just to write a check and drop it in the offering and think our work toward the diaconate is done. But there is so much more. Move our hearts, move our desire to serve you and to serve your people. Hear our prayer, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.